Jesus loved to paint pictures. Now, I don't know if he ever applied a paintbrush to a canvas. What I'm talking about is the pictures that Jesus painted with words. He loved to use metaphors, illustrations, to point to profound truths that are still true to this day that we can apply to our lives. For example, in John 15, verse 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he or she it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. It's a picture that Jesus painted where he is the vine, we are the branches. And in this picture that Jesus paints, he gives us both a warning and a promise. The warning is that apart from him, we can do nothing. Apart from him, we die. But if we are tapped into the vine, to the source of life itself, we will bear much fruit. Jesus loved to paint pictures. I brought this branch with me. This, is a, this branch has a little bit of a story. This is obviously a branch that has died and has fallen off a tree. I don't know if you all remember this. Just a few Sundays ago when Pastor Heather stood here, she was giving that powerful sermon on the Holy Spirit. There was suddenly a loud noise off in the parking lot because a tree had fallen out of, or a branch had fallen out of a tree. And it had landed, actually, I think it landed on the Harch's car, didn't it? Greg, you had no idea when you became elder chairperson what kind of opposition you would face. But this branch landed on Greg's car. It's a dead branch. It's basically worthless. And we're going to learn as we learn more today about the metaphor, the picture that Jesus painted, that this is us. This is our spiritual life, dead and useless apart from Christ. And we're going to learn what happens to us when we live this way. And what we're studying today is Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10. It's the Apostle Paul speaking, not Jesus, but it's the Apostle Paul giving color, really, more detail to the picture that Jesus painted. Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10 gives color and detail to this metaphor of Jesus when he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me, you will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. So I want us to look at Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10, and color in some of the detail, some of the texture of this picture that Jesus painted. First, I want you to picture in your mind's eye, picture a dead branch, picture life apart from Christ, and picture it, may the Holy Spirit allow us all to self-contemplate, say, what areas in my spiritual life are like that, apart from Christ? Let's look at the first couple of verses of Ephesians 2 to learn more about this dead branch, this spiritual inner being that we all have when we are separated from Christ. Ephesians 2, verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. I'm going to stop right there. You were dead, like this dead branch, like a branch separated from the vine, the life source itself, Jesus Christ. Our spiritual beings are dead apart from him. And you see this word that that verse ends with, we're dead in our sins. That word sin is something that Christians use. It's a word that Christians use, but it's not used very often in our culture anymore. The word sin can be translated, interpreted a bunch of different ways throughout Scripture. But to me, the most simplest explanation of what sin is, is that sin is separation from God. Anything that we do 
the very nature of who we are because of sin, it separates us from God. It's fitting exactly with that metaphor that Jesus gave, that if we abide in him, we have life, we bear fruit, but if we are separated as a branch is separated, like this branch uh, seemingly was not getting the nutrients of the tree anymore, we become spiritually dead. That's what sin does to us. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. The prince of the power of the air. Who's that? Who's the prince of the power of the air that we follow when we are in sin, when we are spiritually dead? That's a phrase that describes Satan. The prince of the power of the air. Why would the Bible describe Satan as a prince? Well, it's because a prince holds some authority. And Adam and Eve in the garden, when they sinned against God, they gave some of their authority. They, were, had, they had been given authority to steward creation. But the serpent came along and they usurped some of their authority to the serpent. And still under the sovereign hand of God the Father, he has given a long leash to this prince of the power of the air. He's given a long leash to the serpent, to Satan, to have some kind of dominion, some kind of authority over the created world. It's why so many things go wrong in the world all the time. It's because there's a prince of the power of the air. We've usurped some of our authority over to Satan. And when we live in sin, when we live detached from the source himself, we are following, according to Ephesians 2, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, the passions of our flesh. You know, I learned this passage when I was young, and I learned this phrase, carrying out the passions of the flesh. And I thought, and I was taught, that to carry out the passions of the flesh were this pretty obvious lifestyle. It was people who did drugs, and it was people who drank lots of alcohol, and it was people who had pre-marriage sex. And I learned this passion of the flesh. Okay, young Nathan, don't do all of those things. But what I didn't realize until much later is that my self-righteous judgmentalism of people who did all of those things was also a passion of the flesh because it was all about me. There's an older brother and there's a younger brother in the parable of the prodigal. Both are living out the passions of their flesh. The younger brother in obvious ways, squandering his inheritance, sleeping with prostitutes. But the older brother's also carrying out the passion, the desire of his flesh, which is to judge the little brother and to feel worthy and to feel like he is deserving of reward. That's also a passion of the flesh. Both the older brother and the younger brother are far from the source. They are like dead branches. They are living in spiritual death. I've had to learn that. I am learning that over the years. It goes on from there to say, um, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we're by nature children of wrath just like the rest of mankind. Now, children of wrath, that's quite a description for those of us living in sin, isn't it? Children of wrath. This sermon's getting darker by the minute. <laughs> children of wrath, what does that mean? It means that if we live in sin, if we live apart from the life source himself, we are like dead branches. We become like children of wrath. Our inheritance is wrath. God looks at all the sin of the whole world. He looks at all the separation from God. 
and he knows that what is righteously due people who are living in sin is his wrath. Now, that makes a lot of us uncomfortable. We don't like a God of wrath. But if you think about it this way, God is both righteous and just. If God sees injustice in this world, he is right to be wrathful about that. See, a lot of times we see something unjust in this world. We see something that we disagree with, and we want to be really upset about it, don't we? Have you checked Twitter lately? There's a lot of wrath there. We like to be upset when we see an injustice happen. But then we learn about the God of the Bible that he also gets upset when injustices happen, and we say, oh, he can't. I don't believe in a God of wrath. See, what we're doing there is we're saying, I'm allowed to have all the wrath, but my creator is not. God is both righteous and just. When he sees people living apart from him, when he sees people living in sin, he knows that we become children of wrath. Our inheritance is wrath. In the metaphor, in the illustration, the picture that Jesus painted, John 15, verse 6, he talks about, I'm the vine, you're the branches. But in the next verse, he says, if anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. The branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. A good farmer will collect all the sticks and all the dead branches from his or her farm and burn them. I have a fire pit in the parsonage right around the bend here. And every spring, I go find all the dead branches and I burn them in the fire pit. Now, this is a description, really, of hell. That if we go on living apart from Christ, apart from the life source himself, we will ultimately taste the righteous wrath of God and we will be thrown into the fire and burned. And that's the sermon. You guys can go home. Have a great Father's Day. <laughs> Live in sin and burn in hell. <laughs> Thank God there's more to this story. Thank God there's more to this story. That's only the bad news. Keep listening because there's more. What would it take? Imagine this as your spiritual inner being right now, set apart, separated from God because of your sin. What would it require for you to have life again, to be reattached to the life source? In the case of this branch, it would require a miracle, wouldn't it? It would require a gift of God's grace. It would require someone coming along and saying, I don't want them to taste the wrath, the righteous wrath that they are due. And so Jesus came along. This is the most important point of the sermon, so I'm going to wait for that plane to go overhead. Let me just pray. Holy Spirit, come and reveal your gospel to us, the good news. Jesus Christ, it's to all the dead branches of all the world. And he knew that the righteous, just place for those branches would be to taste the wrath of God in the fires of hell. And Jesus came and he said, I will die. I will go upon the cross, which is really just a dead branch. It's dead wood. And he would receive the curse of God's wrath for us. That's the good news. Now I want you to look at verse 4 with me and following. Just hear this now. Picture yourself. Picture that dead branch. Picture those places in your soul and in your inner being that are dying, they're atrophying because they're detached from the life source himself. Now hear the good news, verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, 
even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. You see what God has done for us? He's taken our place on the dead branch of the cross. And then he has also swapped positions with us. Look at the identity shift that God gives us in the cross. Whereas before we were children of wrath, that was our identity in sin. We're children of wrath. We deserve God's wrath. That's our identity. But now look, verse 6, he has seated us in the heavenly places. That's an amazing statement. He's transferred us from being children of wrath. Now we're seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the son of God. He sits at the right hand of the father. In other words, he enjoys the full inheritance of all the riches that God the father has in his possession. And we are in Christ. That means we are in him. We've gone from being children of wrath that deserve the fires of hell. And now we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places, receiving all the rich inheritance of God's bounty and goodness and blessing. Hallelujah. He's done that for us in the cross, the great exchange. Now to keep the metaphor going, I want us to focus for a moment. There might be a temptation now to say, okay, we're getting to the part in verse 10 where it talks about good works. We're getting to the part in the analogy from Jesus of bearing fruit. This might be tempting for us at this moment to say, all right, now I'm going to roll up my sleeves. I'm going to contribute. I'm going to do these good works we're talking about. But there's one more reminder about this branch. If this branch is us, and if we've been miraculously grafted back into the life source, and if we're ever going to bear fruit on the other side of our branches, we're going to bear fruit in our lives. I want to take one more examination of this branch, if this branch is us. One more reminder, and it's in verses 8 and 9. Verse 8 says this, By grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. This is an important reminder. The word at the end of verse 7 stands out, kindness, kindness. It's not because we deserve it. If you were to go up to this branch, if this branch is you, if you were to go up to this branch and simply say, all right, you can do it. God helps those who help themselves. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. If you work hard enough, you'll bear fruit. None of that would work, would it? We have one job in the picture Jesus painted. And it's not to white knuckle our way to bearing fruit or to doing good works. There's one job. Did you hear it? Jesus said, abide. Abide. You want to do the work set out? For you, do you want to bear his fruit? Abide in him. Abide in the life source himself. He will channel his life through you. He will channel his life, his goodness, his fruit through the branches of our being, and then it's his fruit to bear. See, our job is to abide. It's his fruit that's born in us. Verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
I love that. God prepared them beforehand. It's like the sap or the nutrients or the water going through the vine that pre-exists us. It predates us. It's flowing in Jesus all the time. And when the branches of our spiritual being are tapped into that vine, now the good works, which he's prepared beforehand, flow into our lives and we bear his fruit. You see, it's all from him. None of our good works can accomplish anything, really, because we're so stained by sin. We're so separated from God in our inner beings. But if we are tapped into the vine, if we're tapped into the life source himself, he will give us the nutrients. He will give us the life, and he will bear fruit in us. We will do good works that he prepared beforehand. And our job is just to walk in them, abide in him, and walk in what he's prepared for us. That's the Christian life right there. Now, the takeaway for us this morning, I want us to really have like a, a personal and corporate takeaway from all this. I hope the, the metaphor, the illustration, the picture Jesus painted is memorable for you. That's the best thing about Jesus' pictures that he painted. You can remember them. You can remember the vine. You can remember the branch. Now I want you to picture the fruit. I want you to picture the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. Some of you know what it says in Galatians is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's the good works he's prepared beforehand that we might walk in them. We get confused a little bit. In our culture, we have so many options. We have so many choices of what our career might be. And sometimes we think, oh, if I'm a construction worker, that's my work for God. Or if I'm a pastor, that's my work for God. Or if I'm a mom, that's my work for God. Or if I'm a school teacher, that's my work for God. All those things are great. That's part of our calling. God calls us to those things but it actually doesn't matter what our career is. It doesn't matter how we pay the bills. What matters is that we are bearing fruit in our everyday lives. Whether you're a hedge fund CEO or someone who scrubs the toilets in a public school, you can be doing the works that God prepared beforehand for you if you are abiding in Christ, tapped into the life source himself, Jesus, going to church like you are right now, that's a way of abiding. Reading the scriptures on your own at home, that's abiding. Joining in life group, Bible study, fellowships, that's abiding. Having your own personal prayer devotion times with your spouse, with your kids, abide, 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 abide. And then when you're in your CEO corner office or you're scrubbing those toilets or anything that God has called you to do career-wise, if you're abiding in Christ, you will start bearing the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, and so on. Why? Because the more time we spend with Jesus, the more our branch is tapped into that vine, the more we become like him. We become whom we behold. We become whom we behold. Abide in him. So I want you all to just to picture right now in your mind's eye, just picture yourself, that branch tapped into the vine. And I want you to picture fruit coming out of your life, fruit coming off the branches of your life. Picture yourself 
in your workplace or your home or the PTA meeting or the country club. Just picture yourself going about your business, going about your life. And I'm going to read this fruit of the Spirit once again. And I want you to picture yourself operating in these fruits. If you're abiding in Christ, you will operate in these fruits. Just picture yourself. Pick one of those scenarios. Pick one of those scenarios where you have to interact with other people. Now picture yourself with more love there. What changes? Joy. What would happen if you brought joy to your workplace or to your home? Peace. Are there places in your world that could use the peace of the Holy Spirit? Patience. This one hits me like a ton of bricks. Patience. Ooh, I lack patience. I need to abide in Christ more that he might bear the fruit of patience in my life. Kindness. I think we could probably change this town, this region, if we were all bearing the Holy Spirit fruit of kindness wherever we went. Goodness. Picture it. Faithfulness. As opposed to duplicity. Gentleness. Come, Holy Spirit, make us more gentle. And self-control. There are places in your life where maybe some of your natural sinful impulses are just taking over. Ask for the Holy Spirit to give you self-control. Apart from Christ, we can do no good thing. We're dead in our trespasses. But God made us alive together with Christ and seated us in the heavenly places. We are created for good works, which he's prepared beforehand that we might walk in them, that we might allow the Holy Spirit to come like nutrients through the branches of our lives to bear his fruit in this world. That the world around us might taste and see that he is good when they taste the fruit of our lives. So come, Holy Spirit. Thank you for revealing the gospel. Thank you for bearing fruit in our lives. Thank you for rescuing us from death to life. Amen.